Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Amen. God is so good. I'm going to go on with my message. We're talking about breaking Satan's power, overcoming offense. And last week we started, and we started in Luke chapter 17. I'm going to go there again in Luke chapter 17. And we talked really last week about the power of the love of God. I believe the love of God releases the power of God. And I really believe the love of God, there is great strength when you walk in love. Praise God. There's great power released through the love of God. Now, in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 5, Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Sound violent, doesn't it? Then he should offend one of these little ones. In other words, Jesus said, there's going to be offense. If you have lived very long as a believer, you have had opportunity to be offended. If you have gone to any church of any size for any period of time, you have had opportunity to be offended. If you work with a staff, even of believers in a ministry that is very large at all, you have had opportunity to be offended. If you work with Christian leaders in, in very much cap capacity at all, you have had opportunity to be offended. And offense is one of the greatest tools of the enemy to try to stop you from fulfilling your God-given destiny. And Jesus said it'd be better for you. In other words, he said offense is deadly. If you are operating in offense, that somebody take a millstone and tie it around your neck and throw you into the bottom of the sea. Ooh, that is strong language. He goes on in verse 3, he says, Take heed to yourselves. You know, the number one people, person that you need to deal with in the area of offense is the one that you look at in the mirror. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you. Now, when people begin to operate in the spirit of offense, they will not only be upset about somebody who's trespassed against them, they will also be upset at people who've trespassed against other people. That is a spirit of offense. You need to beware of the spirit of offense because it will not take you where you want to go. And it is very deadly. It is very deceptive. And, and when you think about it, he says, if your brother trespass against you... G, uh, uh, Proverbs 26, 17 actually says this. Proverbs 26, 17 says, if you get involved in strife that does not belong to you, it is like taking a dog by the ears. Now, what happens if you take a dog by the ears? You're going to get bit. It's going to be ugly. So don't take offense. Don't take offense. Let it go. In fact, that's what, when we talk about forgiveness, 
Forgiveness is a key in helping you overcome offense, and it's talking about let it go. So don't take offense. He goes on and says this. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. So when you forgive someone, right, when you're not taking offense, it doesn't mean that you just lay down and be a doormat and let people run over you, right? It doesn't mean that you're just stupid, right? Jesus said, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. So there are people, sometimes they're operating in different things, right? And they're behaving very badly, but you, you don't have to let them continue to behave badly toward you, right? It doesn't mean you just have to let people just run over you, right? And act like the devil. Sometimes they do. In fact, I've had people that I've dealt with in the realm of Christianity, right? In the realm of ministry, in the realm of staff, that I have a hard time with what they've done and knowing what they've done, I have a hard time even believing that they're born again. Billy Graham actually said this. He said, probably as many as 50% or more than 50% who, of the people who claim to be believers, you know, in, in the United States of America are not even born again. And Jesus did say, you will know a tree by its fruit. So you're <coughs> we're not to pass judgment on people, but we are to judge the fruit. We're to discern the fruit. And you can tell a lot by the fruit. So sometimes you can't tell that immediately, but as you continue, you can tell more. And I think sometimes God gives people grace and they use his grace in the wrong way. So he says, take heed to yourselves if your brother trespass against you and you rebuke him and if he repent, forgive him. Notice what it says in verse four. If he trespass against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, forgiveness is a major part of overcoming offense, and it can be challenging. I don't know if it's ever been challenging for you, but I'll tell you sometimes it has been challenging for Pastor Lawson, okay? So uh, anyway, that's just how it is. I'm just being honest with you. I hope that's okay. I think honesty helps, okay? So number one, what does it mean to forgive? When Jesus says, here in Luke 17, verse 3, take heed to yourselves if your brother trespass against you, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. What does this word mean? This word in the Greek actually is the word ephemami, and it means to send away. It means to dismiss. It means let go. It means to give up a debt, to give up, to keep no longer, to depart to leave yourself of all mutual uh, hold on something and abandon it. Let it go. In fact, I have a very close friend. A number of years ago, this friend did, a, you know, just a major mistake, right? And, and when he did this, his wife called me and she said, Pastor, 
what do I do? And I said, let it go. She said, when I spoke those words to her, it was like Jesus reached in her heart and healed it. Listen, with what happened, she could have went to counseling for years. She could have suffered all kinds of difficulties for years. They could have had major problems for years. But in moments, she allowed the Holy Spirit to heal her heart. She let it go. Amen? Let it go. That's what it means to forgive, is to let it go, not to hold on to it. Don't hold a grudge. Don't hold an offense. Don't let it go. Forgive them. Forgive them, and you will go free. Now, there's another way that the Bible says that we're to forgive. If you go to Colossians chapter 3, it says this. We read last week in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, 32 says, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And in Colossians chapter 3, we read this also last week, but it says this in verse 13. It says, it'd be good if I would find the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, it says this in verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. We're to forgive one another, right? As Christ forgave us. Now, this word forgiveness in the Greek and the one in Ephesians 4 verse 32 that says we're to forgive one another as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us, is this Greek word, it's charismai, and it means to do something uh, gracious, to do something pleasant, right? To pardon or to restore. Now, when I first moved to Colorado Springs and we started the church here, I had the opportunity, the privilege of beginning to work with another ministry, a larger ministry, and I begin to deal with people, some of them were very difficult to deal with. And one of them in particular was very, very challenging for me. He, he made my life a lot more harder, a lot more difficult than it needed to be. And he actually called me into his office. He sent me across from his desk. He looked across, across the desk at me and he said, I don't know why anybody would come to start a church in Colorado Springs. And I looked across the desk at him and I said, I suppose because Jesus called them. <laughs> However, this person was very difficult. He was very challenging. And I thought, my goodness, how hard can this be? I mean, and, you know, realize I had pastored in Kit Carson for 13 years. I was the only paid staff member at the church. I kind of worked for myself. Of course, I worked for Jesus. I kept good track of myself. And, uh, you know, I, I was making sure that I didn't show it to people so on and so forth. But at the same point in time, you know, there were certain difficulties that we had to overcome. But now I'm working with a very large Christian ministry and people that are ordained and they're full-time in the ministry. And sometimes, to be honest with you, they act almost like the devil. And it was challenging for me. And I talked to one of my good friends, one of my mentors at that time. He said, Lawson, that is good for you. I said, good for me. I want to choke this person. I want to wring their neck. 
you know, it was very, very difficult. It was very hard, challenging, to be honest with you, to deal with this person. However, and this person said, it's good for me. Well, after a few years, you know, things changed. And a couple of years, they hired another person in the ministry that was in charge of the situation. And, and that person, uh, when he came into another year, passed. And then we were coming back into mutual relationship with that ministry. And that person said, listen, I, I explained to them. I actually, actually asked this mentor who told me that it was good for me. I said, what should I do? He said, you need to be honest with them in this meeting and tell them this challenge that you've had. So I'm sitting in a meeting with all these leaders from this major ministry. We're going over some things because they had invited us to have a, a working relationship in certain aspects. And so they're going over all the things, and I just said, now, I want you to know that I have a problem with this person. And one of the leaders of that ministry said, write it in the notes. Pastor Lawson has a problem with this person. So they put it down in the note. But I, and one of the other person, people that was there in the meeting said, now listen, Lawson, as far as your ongoing relationship in this aspect with the ministry, I will be the one who will be over you. I will be the one who you report to. That person later told me, he said, listen, I can tell your respect for the ministry by, the, by your attitude and by different things, how you present yourself. And so that actually helped a lot. But as time went on, the shoe kind of changed, right? The, the tide kind of changed. Things kind of changed. And this person who had given me a lot of difficulty, who was very much on the inside, became more on the outside. And the Lord told me, everybody say, the Lord. See, the Lord will speak to you. He told me what I want you to do. I want you to take this person. I want you to buy them a very nice gift. And so I talked to them and I requested four hours. I said, I want four hours of your time. And they said, what's it about? I said, I need four hours of your time. And you will like it. So they gave me four hours on a certain day, and I took them in my car, and I drove them to Denver. We went to Shepler's, and I bought them a pair of the nicest boots that money could buy. And you know what? It broke something. It changed something. And it helped heal that relationship that had been broken. So forgiveness doesn't only mean to let go. It also means to act gracious to pardon, and to restore. Praise God. That's what forgiveness is. Now, how many times are we to forgive? In this portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 17, Jesus said, if your brother comes to you and repents, you forgive him. He said, if they, if they trespass against you seven times in a day and they repent, you forgive them, right? You let it go. So seven times in a day. In another portion of Scripture, in Matthew chapter 18, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, how often, how many times shall we forgive our brother? And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus, they said, seven times? Jesus said, I tell you 70 times seven. In other words, immeasurably 
till infinity, forever you are to forgive. Now, if you read closely, that's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and verse 22. If you read verse 15 to verse 20, Jesus is talking about the power of prayer. And he's talking about the power of agreement. And you need to understand that if you hold unforgiveness in your heart, unforgiveness will hinder you from receiving from God. It's one of the major things. In fact, I think my personal opinion is some aspects of sickness and disease are connected to specific areas like of unforgiveness. So you don't want to have unforgiveness working. Recently, I taught a series on faith from Mark chapter 11, verse 22, where Jesus said, have faith in God. And he called his disciples to faith in God. He told them how he, you know, how faith works. And then he said, when you stand praying in verse 24, whatsoever things you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And he was talking in verse 23 to whosoever. So faith works for whosoever and it'll work on whatsoever God promised. Amen. In fact, I had a young person come to me before, before this service, and they gave me a little card that said, I am a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Whosoever. If you're a whosoever, faith will work for you. Your faith will work for you. But after Jesus said that in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to verse 24, uh, he said some, or verse 25 and verse 26, he said some things also about forgiveness. And he said in verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now, what does it mean to have awe in your heart towards your brother, towards your sister, towards someone? It means any little thing. If you have any little thing against anyone, you need to forgive it. You need to let it go. Because it's not hurting them, it's hurting you. And unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. In fact, if you have any big thing against anybody, you need to forgive them. You need to let it go. This word in the Greek, when you study it out, means if you have absolutely anything against anyone, you need to forgive them. You need to let it go. Because it doesn't hinder them, it hinders you. It will hurt you. And unforgiveness, I believe, will hinder you in receiving from God. Now, when we read, let's go on. He says, when you stand praying, forgive. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, if you have ought, if you have anything against anyone, that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. In other words, when you forgive, it helps in, in you in receiving from God. And he says, but if you do not forgive, neither Will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses? So I have a question for you. Does God forgive unforgiveness? No. 
I strongly disagree. Now, I've preached this before, and I had some heat on it, so I'm going to give you my opinion. Because on the outside, when you read that, it would seem that unforgiveness is not a forgivable sin. However, I'm going to show you some things in the Scripture. I hope you'll get them. Because I believe that unforgiveness is a forgivable sin. In fact, I believe there's only one sin that is not a forgivable sin, and that is the rejection of Jesus. Exactly right. If you read Hebrews chapter 12, right, verse 26 to verse 29, it explains that a little bit. And if you read in Hebrews chapter 10, you see, and when the word for forgiveness is used, such as we've studied in Luke 17, and in Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus is talking about forgiving your brother, and in Colossians chapter 3 verse 13, and in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, there are different Greek words that are used in forgiving your brother and the difference in the, in the Greek word where God forgives you. And if you really understand redemption, if you really understand forgiveness in a biblical sense, when you are born again, you are forgiven for all of your trespasses. And when I say all, all means all. So there are only really two kinds of people in the world, if I'm reading the scriptures correctly. There are those who've been born again, those who are children of God, those who are members of God's family, and there are those who have not been born again, right, who are not children of God and who are not members of God's family. And if you're not in that group, if you're not in the children of God, family of God, covenant of God, you, you need to be born again. You need to believe Jesus. Now, Billy Graham actually said this. Billy Graham actually said that he believed probably over 50% of people who claim to be Christians in America aren't truly born again. So I'm talking about born again people. Now, when you read the, the, the gospel and when you understand the gospel in the realm of forgiveness... The Bible actually says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. And the word for forgiveness that is used is a different word when it's talking about human relationships, forgiving your brother. The word for forgiveness in this, 
in the Greek, in this verse, is the Greek word aphesis. And it means this. It means to pardon as if never committed. So I have a question for you. As a believer, is redemption something that is past? Or is redemption something that is future as far as the work of redemption? The price of redemption. Okay, so I'm going to say this. The price of redemption is a past tense thing. It's already been done. The process of redemption is a continual thing. In other words, the payment for redemption has already been paid. Hebrews 10 verse 10 says, By one offering he has sanctified those. By one offering, one offering, the offering of Jesus on the cross. Amen? Jesus said three beautiful words in John 19 verse 30. He said, it is finished. So the price for your redemption has already been paid. There is nothing more that needs to be paid in the realm of redemption, the price has already been paid. So when we talk about redemption and when it was paid, it was paid for 2,000 years ago at the cross. It is a finished work. There's nothing more that needs to be paid. There's nothing more that needs to be done. It is finished. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 said God was in Christ not imputing the trespasses of the world to them, but he has forgiven them for all trespasses. So as far as forgiveness is concerned with God and a born-again person, you have already been forgiven. And when Jesus paid the price for your forgiveness, that included all, what part of all, don't you understand, of your sins. Past, present, and future tense sin were paid for on the cross by the blood. There is no other payment that needs to be paid for your forgiveness. As far as God is concerned, he got over the, your sin at the cross and you need to let it go. You need to get over it. That is the gospel. And that is the finished work of Christ in whom we have redemption through his blood. And part of redemption is forgiveness. The forgiveness of sins according to the ultimate wealth of his grace, which we are coming to understand. Hebrews 10, 14 says, By one offering he has perfected forever them who are sanctified. 
So what if you, as a believer, as a sanctified person, are holding a grudge? What if you have unforgiveness? Will God forgive your unforgiveness? He's already forgiven your unforgiveness. I'm talking about the gospel. I'm talking about redemption. Because when you understand redemption, you'll understand that redemption is part of the past tense work of the cross. What if the Holy Spirit convicts you of the sin of unforgiveness? I have another question for you. Has the Holy Spirit ever convicted you as a believer for the sin of unforgiveness? Okay, let me be honest with you. Okay? In this, even in this, if you are being convicted for the sin of unforgiveness, it proves that you're born again. It proves that you're forgiven. It proves that the Holy Spirit is still living in you. But what happens if you hold unforgiveness? Unforgiveness will hinder you. Unforgiveness will hurt you. Unforgiveness will make it so it's hard for you to receive your prayers answered. When you stand praying, forgive. So that your Father may forgive you. See, unforgiveness like plugs up the pipe between you and God. The devil meant unforgiveness, offense, to stop you. So don't let the devil stop you. In fact, holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison and affecting it, expecting it to hurt somebody else. It's really hurting you. So let it go. How much do you let it go? All of it. Every time. All the time. What do you, you forgive anything of anyone, anytime. You let it go. Give them grace. God's given you grace. Amen? And when you do, Jesus said, when you stand for, you, you forgive. Hallelujah. You forgive. Why? Because it'll hinder you. See, the Bible actually says this in Job 42, verse 10. Here's an example. It says, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he forgave his friends. And the Lord gave him twice as much as he had. Now, how many of you know Job started out as the richest man in all of the East? So Job... If, if he wasn't the richest man on the planet, Job was one of the richest men on the planet. And when he forgave his friends, it says the Lord turned the captivity of Job and the Lord gave him twice as much as he had. Now, I, I don't know if you like that, but I like that. In fact, I was preparing my offering, and I'd already prepared it before today, but I was preparing more of it, and as I was preparing, I give lots of different offerings. 
The Lord said, this one aspect of your offering today, I want you to double that. I said, yes, sir. It wasn't really a large amount. It wasn't really, in my mind, that significant. But the Lord said, double that. I said, yes, sir. And so I doubled that. Then he said, this other aspect of your offering today, he said, I want you to increase that. So I went and got my checkbook, and I wrote a check out, and I increased it. Now, my general offering is rather significant, amen, so it still didn't seem, but he told me to do that. Then after I did it, the Lord said to me, now soon, I'm going to double you, and I'm going to increase you. Part of receiving from the Lord is what you sow. When you sow, you reap many times in the way that you sow. Hallelujah. So when you sow forgiveness, you reap forgiveness. When you sow love, you reap love. When you sow bitterness and resentment and hatred and unforgiveness, you reap. Now let's talk. We talked just a little bit last week about husband and wife marriage relationships. In marriage relationships, you definitely need to forgive. Amen? And we're talking about if you forgive, it will, what it helps your prayers work better. Right? When Job forgave his friends, right, the Lord turned his captivity and gave him twice as much as he had in the beginning. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read just a couple verses in 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read this because this is talking about husband and wife relationships. And it says here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. In other words, don't be stupid. Sometimes people, I hear what they do, and I say, that's just stupid. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Giving honor to your wife as a weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. How many of you know you don't want your prayers? To, and some of the greatest agreement, right? We're talking about forgiveness and agreement, Matthew 18. Some of the greatest agreement that you can have on earth is when you're in a husband and wife relationship. And in fact, the word in Genesis, when it says God made a help meet for him, it's not helpmate. It's help meet. It's a help sufficient. And some of the greatest agreement that you can have in the realm of praying is between a husband and a wife. So he said, you want to forgive? And he says, you want to do some things together that your prayers be not hindered? He says in verse 8, let's read verse 8 through 10. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion on one another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. In other words, if you want to reap good in your marriage, you keep sowing good. If you've received something evil, don't give evil back. If you got chewed out, don't give chew out back. Not railing for railing. Not cur In fact, the Bible says, bless and do not curse. 
You keep blessing. You keep being kind. You keep giving good things. And guess what? You'll reap good things. He says, knowing that you're thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he who will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile, that they speak no deceit. So guard your mouth. Guard your tongue, right? Don't fly off at the handle, right? Amen? In the heat of the moment, if you have, God forgives you, God loves you, but if you want your spouse to forgive you, amen, you better guard your heart, okay? (laughs) Amen. So, unforgiveness will hinder your prayers. I think it's one of the major challenges. In fact, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, that we're not to be ignorant of his, speaking of Satan's, devices. He says, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. What are the devices? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 through 10, Paul's talking about unforgiveness. And if you study the Corinthian church, they had some fleshy problems going on, right? And if you've got a church of any size in the world today, there's probably some fleshy problems going on, right? So he says this in this realm. He says, I've already forgiven these people. I want you to forgive them as in the person of Christ because Jesus forgave them. You can forgive them. Amen? And he talks about if you hold unforgiveness, that person had already repented, they were already being disciplined, they were already beating themselves up, and other Christians were beating them up, if you read the context of what's being said. So he says, listen, I've forgiven them, I want you to forgive them, they're already dealing with enough condemnation, they're already dealing with enough defeat, I want you to let them go. And this is the real reason I want you to do it, is because I don't want Satan to take advantage of you and we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. Now, what are his devices? Unforgiveness. Another one is envying and strife. The Bible actually says in James chapter 3, verse 16, where there are envying and strife, there is confusion, is verse 16 or verse 17, and every evil work. Amen? Hallelujah. I look up there. Now, it's confusion in every evil work. Sometimes I make my notes and I don't always go over there and read it, okay? So where there's en- so envying and strife. In fact, strife is a major error that the devil will try to use to hurt you and to hinder your prayers. So unforgiveness, envying, and strife. Another one is bitterness. The Bible actually talks about in Hebrews 12, verse 15, a root of bitterness springing up and troubling you so that many be defiled. I've seen people when they get in bitterness and they don't let go of bitterness and they just hold on to bitterness, take a whole group of people down with them. Amen? And so you've got to guard against bitterness, unforgiveness, envy, strife, bitterness. Another one is resentment. Let me give you a scripture. Turn with me to Job chapter 5, verse 2. 
on resentment. Job chapter 5, verse 2, says this. It says, for wrath, that word in, the, in other translations says resentment kills the foolish man. Resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, envying, and strife is deadly. And it will kill the one who's holding it. And he says, envy slays the silly one. Don't be a fool. Amen? Don't let resentment, bitterness, strife, envy, unforgiveness destroy you. Another one's found in Job chapter 36. Job chapter 36 in verse 13 says, But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath. They heap up resentment, determined, lasting anger. They cry not when he binds them. In other words, when you hold resentment, the devil is binding you and you don't even know it. So let it go. What do you let go any little thing from anybody. How much do you let it go? 70 times 7. Why? Because these are Satan's devices to stop you. My last point is this. Grace looks good on you. Amen? Grace looks good on you. And in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, there's nine of them. And they tell you how your attitude ought to be. And Jesus was teaching on the mount in verse 7, which is number 5, the middle one. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. How many of you want to receive mercy? It's so important that you keep giving mercy. Praise God. Now, another scripture that gives us example of this is Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. It's Joseph, and it's the, it's the end. His father just, you know, passed away. But it's towards the end of his life. And, and Joseph says, as for you, talking to his brothers, you meant it for evil. You thought it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen? Grace looks good on you. Amen? Grace looks good on me. And I'm going to conclude with this. Mark Hankins, I was, in fact, he just sent out a newsletter. I called him because it's exactly what I'm preaching on. But he had this example. He said, when I was a young minister, there were some other ministers that offended me. And he said, I was really upset. And he said, I really wanted some justice to be done in the situation. So it says, I was talking to another older minister. How many of you know how to become an older minister? Is you listen to an older minister. And he told me this, and this is my conclusion. You may be able to whip a skunk, but you may not want to. <laughs> Because if you whip a skunk, it's not the skunk that's going to stink. You're the one that's going to stink. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. 
If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.